Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. We're back again this week with uh, some former guests of ours. Um, Dan and Doug Roberts, they uh, wanted to come back and do another show with us, and we're more than welcome to do it. And uh, this is a topic that I have actually been wanting to do for a long time. It's one that um, it's one that's been on my mind because I do it a lot, and I think it's oftentimes overlooked or feared by fishermen. And uh, that's self-guided trips. Um, I do this every year. I usually go somewhere with my wife. It always ends up we take a fly rod. Heck, I even went on a cruise one time. I was the only guy on the cruise with a rod in my hand <laughs> walking on the ship. But um, I, we, we're going to sit down and discuss some things that we do to take the cost and expense out of it and make a fun trip. And uh, Pat here is with us again this week. And, you know, Pat goes with us every year on our New York trip when we go to New York for salmon and steelhead and brown trout and stuff like that. So Pat has... This is one that we all do and we all have experience with, but like I said, it's oftentimes a, a, a fearful thing. So let's get into talking to it. Uh, how are you guys doing, Dan and Doug? Uh, we are fantastic. Great. Thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it because, and I mean, this is a, a subject that us two, we're you know, really excited to talk about it. And I think that we have a, a lot of really good information that'll be very beneficial to, to the listeners here. Yeah. And you guys are, are younger and uh, like more willing to go and stuff like that and and of course you're younger you're still college age just out of college and you know finances aren't always easily available and stuff like that but you still want to go and make those trips and and that's one of the things we want to touch on like the finances of these trips you don't have to splurge and you can have a good fun trip for the week oh absolutely i know the last three years uh we have made a trip out to montana uh, with our dad, uh, we've done a family vacation out there, and every single trip, uh, discounting the family vacation one, uh, but our pure fly fishing trips have been under $800 in total between three of us. That includes transportation to get out there, that includes food, lodging, all of that stuff. So it's a very wow. affordable thing, especially for... Uh, as you had mentioned, Sean, I am uh, three years out of college. Dan is in college, and we go with our dad uh, as well. So between the three of us, it's a very doable thing to split three ways. Right. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay attention to this because my son, <laughs> for his uh, graduation gift, my my youngest son will be graduating next year, and uh, his graduation gift, he wants to go to Montana fishing. So. That's that awesome. that was the reason why we did the first trip. I gra- I had graduated from college, and I wanted to do a fun trip, and Dan and Dad went with me, and, and we went out to Montana, and it was a an awesome experience that I'll never forget. I, uh, you know, it's with that amount of money, you do have to save up for something like that, but it is totally worth it because they're memories that no you'll doubt. have for the no rest doubt. of your life. Definitely. Well, that's what we were talking. My wife and I were like. 
you know, my older two kids both had graduation parties when we spent so much time on graduation parties and that's all going to be forgotten. Nobody's going to ever mm-hmm. remember that. And my youngest son, you know, he's not, uh, he's a sociable kid, but he's not the most sociable kid. And like to have a party, it's going to be family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, how about just going away? So how about we pick a trip and let you do that instead of sinking all that money into a, into a big party and all that kind of stuff. He's like, yeah, let's go to Montana. I want to go fishing. So That's That'll awesome. be an experience you guys will never forget. Yeah, I can no tell you that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Pat, where's how about you? Have you? Where's your normal trip? Or is it just New York? Yeah, it was New York because with my health problems, being on a transplant list, I was not allowed to leave. Right. Three hours from Pittsburgh. Right, three hours from Pittsburgh. And we, we got special. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty limited, so. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Pat has been on the heart transplant list yeah. for quite a while, and he's gotten better, and you're now off the list. Off the list, kind of, I'm right there. Right there. Right there, borderline. Yeah. Heart transplant only lasts 20 to 25 years, so the longer I can go without it, it'll be more time I spend here in the end. Yeah, that's right. So, But, you know, you still get out there and do all this and you have to yeah you can't let it drag you down if you let it drag you down you'll go down faster yeah. the quote shall shank redemption get busy living or get busy dying that's mm-hmm. it great movie that is <laughs> the great thing about our area too is there's just so much opportunity right here right oh, yeah. so true you know not not to say that you don't want to sometimes see some different scenery because i mean the fishing is fantastic around here i know the first year we went out west i uh, i think maybe our expectations were a little higher than they should be uh and i don't want to say we were disappointed but we were i would say enlightened that uh it's very similar to here right great scenery though different scenery yeah uh you know pennsylvania has great scenery so does montana both have great fish montana has probably a little bit more common bigger fish right yeah. uh, better right. hatches in pennsylvania in my opinion <laughs> except for the trico hatch on the missouri river yeah trico <laughs> shameless <hatch is> plug <laughs> yeah, that's a uh probably one of my favorite hatches that we've ever fished out there yeah for sure but uh i guess one of the big things whenever we first decided we're gonna do this trip uh we had to we had to keep it cheap so that meant we weren't gonna get a guide and as a result we had to try and learn and make a list of places that we wanted to to fish. And it started where, okay, we knew the region we wanted to go. And if people are familiar with Montana and they, you know, it's on their list of places to go, you're, you're probably aware of the fact that Southwest Montana is kind of the hot spot there. So we had our eyes set there and we knew we'd be going out 90. So we're like, okay, you know, let's look at some places on 90. So the best place to start is the internet google maps is huge exactly yep everybody knows the famous rivers out there the madison river rock creek the missouri river places like that so you kind of have a vague idea and then you can you can plot these on google maps you can see okay what's my route going to be like uh the first year that we went out our first stop was at the madison river everybody knows the madison river and as we were doing a lot of our research uh, and even just, you know, hearing other people who have gone out, everyone knows $3 Bridge. That was a place we had fished, uh, doing some research online. You're going to see places like that. And that was a great place to start. 
but then to kind of take that a little bit further and maybe get some additional details because every year the river is going to be different. Some years have more snowpack. To really get down into the details after you have a, a vague itinerary of where you want to go, we started calling uh, some guide shops around the area, some fly shops, you know, letting them know like, hey, we're coming in uh, at this particular time. Uh, we wanted to know what some of the river conditions were going to be like because that was kind of important. We didn't want anything where we're going to be uh, putting ourselves at risk. Uh, I'm not as strong of a waiter as Dan. I'm maybe a little bit of a stronger waiter than my dad. Uh, so just knowing, uh, knowing that, knowing what we would be facing whenever we got to this area was an important thing. Knowing what the bug activity was going to be like at that point of year was also very important because we're planning this in January and January, February, March in Pennsylvania, that's prime fly tying season. Right. And uh, so just loading up our fly boxes for, for going out West. That was another uh, very important thing in, in the prep period and getting this information from these guide shops. And, and you want to make sure that, you know, you get some good information. You want to make sure you stop in Right, stop them. in, spend a couple of bucks. Exactly. Absolutely. We always try to make a point of, yeah. you know, we usually like to buy something if we're in there looking for information. Yeah, as well, even so. if it's, you know, five bucks or something like that. Yeah. I own a fly shop, and every time I walk in one, I, you know, I'll, I'll drop five, five or ten bucks. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? As fly tires, I know we're all fly tires here. That's not hard to do. No. You go yeah. and you get a pack of dubbing or two. I mean, you can always use more dubbing or thread. And I, I just wish it stopped at five bucks. I yeah. agree. That's the problem. <laughs> Man, well, for me, it's easy because I know what I got hanging on the wall. But, <laughs> you, you know, back at the shop, I mean. But I, for me, I hit one of those shops and there's always something that always. that shop carries yep. that, that I don't carry at the shop. So, you know, uh, fish skulls, the, those clear helmets that go over the fish stream. Mask. Fish mask. Yeah, that was... One of those, you know, one of the times I was out at a fly shop, I picked one of them up because we don't have them. Well, now I tried it and I was like, hey, dad, we need to carry these in the <laughs> shop. Didn't get them yet. We will. But, you know, so that's a good thing. But it is so easy. Anywhere you're talking about the Madison and thing like that, most of the time when you take one of these trips, you're going to a well-known place. You're not going to somewhere off the map because you don't know about somewhere off the map. That's a local thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you're going to the Madison and Rock Creek and stuff like that. All those big places, they always have a fly shop somewhere oh, yeah. or somewhere near them. And the internet is the wealth of information. So you get a hold of them and find out. And I can add to, to your story like that. Um, one of my, well, my first trips out west fly fishing, I went out on a hunting trip, but we went out fly fishing. When we got into the shop, we um, carried whiting. We were a whiting dealer. So we went out to tour whiting's factory and see how things operate out there. And uh, the whiting factory sits right by the Uncompagra in Colorado, in Delta, Colorado. Well, the Uncompagra, famous old river, you know, and... Uh, we started doing a little research. Uh, the guy that taught us how to fish, he wanted to go with us, but he had emphysema. And uh, what ended up, he didn't go. He wasn't real comfortable, but he wanted to go out and run a drift boat. So that would be, for me, that's the only time I would ever hire a guide is if I needed a drift boat to ride in. If it was a big river, you have to fish a drift boat with it. And uh, so he was calling, finding out about drift boats, and he was asking him, hey, what, we're going to be there in September. I think it was September. 
you know, what's going to be hatching in September? And the guy's telling them, well, this and this and this. And, and also we throw big articulated leeches. So I hear those big articulated leeches. So I tie up a whole bunch of big articulated leeches to go out there. Well, we get out there where everything, you know how it goes. You, you make a plan and it always gets washed out. <laughs> yep. Well, the time we went, the Uncompagra got washed out. It was like a, well, it would be a hurricane back here, but whatever it is in the middle of nowhere out west. <laughs> Hurricane-sized water back here, you know. They literally, everything was blown out, so we're hunting for feeder streams, and out west you, you hunt for um, below the dams, uh, tailwaters. Mm-hmm. So we went hunting for tailwaters, and we went to Ridgeway, and there's this beautiful section called the Pocket Chupac. Well, in Ridgeway, there's a fly shop. It's out west or everywhere. And uh, we ask them, like, you know, what's working? What's working? Like, size 20, 24 midge, you know, nymph, all that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, whatever. And and I don't like fishing them. I'm not going to lie. I hate fishing that little stuff. Now I'll fish a 16, 18, 20 sometimes, mainly like 18. We go to the pocket chew pack, and we're fishing. We're catching a few here and there. And uh, the guide... That's where I learned San Juan Shuffle. Classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm watching a guide down below me fishing with a client. He's standing in the middle of the river kicking the stream bed, and the guy's throwing a thingamabobber or his belt buckle, and he's pulling fish off oh, his belt my. buckle, you know? And I'm, I look down at my dad, and I'm like, look, he's chumming. <laughs> I don't think the guide liked that that much. But in the back of my head, I heard, you know, my, our, my mentor tell me, hey, this guy said, big articulated leeches so i tie on big articulated leeches start swinging them start hammering 20 inch cutthroats and the and the guy with the the guy that hired the guide he's standing there pulling dinks out and and i swung a 20 inch cutthroat off of the guide's foot the one time and i don't think he liked that either (laughs) but um you know, we started doing it. I ended up catching seven fish in four days of fishing that were over 20 inches that were cut through. Wow, that's unreal. And it was all because I did re- we did research. We called out. We found out what was going to be happening that time of year and put it into work. But it's the same. But I fished it, and this is one of the big keys that we'll dive into later. I fished that leech the same way I fish it back here. Yep. Yeah, yep. we'll, we'll definitely yes. touch on that because I, I think that's a really great point. Definitely. And then, uh, like you were saying, doing your homework is huge. And you mentioned the San Juan Shuffle. That's something, uh, another thing that you really need to look into whenever you're traveling to these different places is the rules and regulations. Because out in Montana, I believe that the San Juan Shuffle is not legal. Certain places it is. They don't have any rules against it. Uh, but that's another thing. You really got to look into that. Uh, out in Montana, uh, we had this last year, Dan, you had an incidental catch of a bull trout. Yeah. And in the area that you had caught it, you're not allowed to target them. Right. So since it was incidental, that's okay. But uh, just to know that ahead of time, because, you know, someone catches a bull trout accidentally, you know, if you don't know, you might throw on your big streamer and just start, you know, fishing for them. Right. Uh, that's another thing. You just really got to do your homework on that. Well, are you allowed to lift them out of the water or anything, too? So that's the other thing. I don't, I, I know that if it's incidental, you have to, they say, you know, try not to lift it out. Yeah. Right. Uh, but get it 
released as quick as you can. Yeah, no hero shots with it is what I'm yeah, getting at. Exactly. Right? Yep. So exactly. you get your you get your bull trout, you knock it off your list, and you can't take yep. a picture. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Dan, do you have anything to expand upon as far as uh, some of the planning uh, that we had done? Yeah, uh, and I think um, kind of something that we did is we looked into, you know, how many miles is it going to take for us to get to Montana, uh, which is something that you can do on Google Maps as well. Um, And we took that and, you know, we drove out in a Honda Ridgeline, 17 miles per gallon, and we divided, which is not that great. But uh, we, you know, we did the math and we were like, okay, if gas is about this much money, we're going to be roughly looking at this for, for gas. Um, so we, you know, factored that into our budget and then, uh, you know, we allotted how much money do you think we're going to spend in a fly in fly shops? Uh, how much money are we going to need for food? So kind of like laying everything out beforehand, uh, I think is important, you know, cause then, and, and I, obviously that, that's subject to change, but it kind of keeps you to that budget and you're less likely to spend. Like more. you said, Sean, things don't always go the way they're planned, right. uh, which is absolutely true, but it at least sets a baseline that if you are uh, just an, you know, everyday working person, like all of us at the table are here right now, uh, that makes it manageable that, you know, okay, I need to try and save for about this amount and it makes it doable. Right. I'll give a suggestion one while we're on this. And you said about the gas first time I ever went out hunting in Colorado. Um, excuse me. It was a group of us. And I think there was eight of us that went out and we had a kitty. We, uh, we had a jar. We all started out. We put a hundred bucks in it or whatever. You think 17 miles to a gallon was bad. We had a school bus converted into a camper oh, with a shower and everything, with bunks and everything. So imagine the gas mileage on a, on a school bus. and But we all put like 100 bucks in the gas kitty. And, you know, when we pulled up to the gas station, it all come out of there. And, you know, if we needed to refill it, then it was this much and stuff like that. So that was one thing that helped. You know, then when it's all over, you just divide whatever's left instead mm-hmm. of trying to figure out, well, hey, you owe this much and this. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that was a, a neat little tip. That's a uh, that's a great tip, actually, because that's what uh, we had done this year where uh, we put money into, you know, a, a group fund. Yeah. We took out of that fund and at the end we split it evenly. And that's a, a really great tip and it's a very effective way and very fair way yes to split things up yep now one thing that i will suggest too when you're looking and you're doing your research um it may cost you a little bit of money in the beginning but in the long run it'll pay off and it's one thing that we do when we go to new york every year instead of just looking for a hotel room or a campground or something like that we go to a bed and breakfast or or a house we now rent a house when we go up airbnb or whatever like that we find it much cheaper to go rent a house for a week than it is to get a hotel room with no utilities. We'll go and get a house with a microwave and a stove and everything else in it. So we, you know, we'll go up there, we'll stop at Walmart, get, we'll take our own food. We'll all cook a meal. One thing we'll do is there's five of us. We're four of us. We go for five days. We all prepare a meal. My job was always smoke bacon, cheese, smoke bacon, cheeseburgers. Yeah. 
Thanks, Lon. I'll miss that this year. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sorry about that. But we always had a job. We always had a, a thing to take. So, you know, there was a cost that was taken out beforehand. We always had one fresh hot meal to come home to every day. Every day. Yeah. A lot of crock pot meals. So we yep. would start off in the morning, plug the crock pot in. We'd go fish all day. We'd come home at whatever time we had a hot meal waiting for us. That saves a ton of money right there. Like I said, you're going to spend a little extra having for the amenities, but you make up for it and going to to a restaurant every night. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt about it. I know whenever we went out west, I uh, one of the things that we had done as far as lodging goes is camping. And in Montana, camping is plentiful. Uh, you can camp for free on national forest ground. Mm. Uh, you can, at campsites with bathrooms and everything, you can pay between four to ten dollars a night depending on the campground it's it's dirt cheap dirt cheap blm land you know like that that kind of stuff like you can find some really cheap campgrounds and yeah so like if the weather is permitting you know if you're traveling during a warmer time of the year and you don't mind camping it's going to save you so much money and then uh you know, like the, the food expense, like eating out is very expensive and that adds up. It is. So cooking your own meals is another thing that just really cuts down the yeah. cost. And a lot of times when you're fishing in them areas, most of the good fishing spots, the destination spots like that, like Alaska, Montana, those kind of spots, they're destination spots. So they're places that live on the income Tourist. of the people coming oh, in. Yeah. yeah. They're not, you know, so... Anything that they sell there has to come into them. Like yep. a, like Alaska, you know, you want a fresh steak in Alaska, it's coming from somewhere. It ain't coming from, mm-hmm. you know, down the road like it is here. So the steak and everything is more expensive up there. So you're spending more on that if you can cut that cost any oh, way yeah. you can. I think, uh, Dan, do you want to talk about some of the meals that we did as oh, far yeah, as? Oh, yeah, yeah. So sure. super easy to transport. Uh, they all keep... And I think, to be honest, we ate pretty well. Oh, I agree. We ate really good. And, uh, you know, what we would do is canned pasta sauces. So, like, a canned, like, Alfredo sauce, canned red sauce, and then we would do pasta. Um, And, again, choosing things that we don't have to keep refrigerated. That also makes cuts down, makes it very simple. And then uh, you can buy cans of chicken for your protein or cans of tuna that you put into to that pasta or, or whatever. Uh, so a good meal. And if you look at the price, I mean, you're looking at like five, five to six dollars sometimes for one meal. Right. To feed four. To feed four mm-hmm. well. Right. And we yeah. ate well. Um, peanut potato, butter and jellies. Oh, that's our that's our signature. A, a lunch right staple. Yeah. yeah. But peanut butter and jellies for lunch. Um, well, actually, what we found worked good for us is we would keep breakfast simple. We did oatmeal and coffee for breakfast, instant coffee, instant oatmeal that we would just boil a pot of water, um, put some peanut butter in the oatmeal or something like that. And then our big meal, rather than having like dinner as our big meal, was during lunch whenever it was the best time to not really be on the water, right. you know, yep. and, and you have more time to cook around camp. Yeah, middle of the afternoon, slow fishing. Yeah. So we would do our big meal, like I said, like a pasta with like chicken or some sauce added in there too. And then for, you know, dinner, we would do a PB and J or something like that. And, and yeah, like, a, you know, super cheap, uh, super transportable. What are some other things that we kind of lived off of? 
I feel like pasta is just kind of like a yeah, go-to. Pasta was kind of the go-to, and just because it was, it kept easy. It was instant rice. And it was quick. Yeah, we did when we went when I went on my elk hunt, two thousand one. We had a lot of Dinnymore beef stew with us. Oh yeah, and it tastes delicious over a fire. Yep. And I was all excited. I had Dinnymore beef stew, and I really liked it. And I come home and I told my wife, I said, "We got to go get some Dinnymore beef stew." <laughs> it's not the same. It is not the same <laughs> on the oven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I about wanted to throw up. I, 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 I could have ate nothing else all week long in the mountain in Colorado. But I about wanted to throw when up. You're when you're working hard and it's just like anything, you yep. like eat it, you're like, this is the best thing I ever tasted in my life. <laughs> yeah, people listening to this are probably listening to our menu choices and you're not too appetized. But yeah. Like you said, Dan, whenever you're working hard, you're fishing hard, you're yeah. you know hunting hard. Yeah. You're hungry, and it just tastes so good. Yeah. So don't be discouraged by yeah. maybe not having yeah. the most and you're uh, not, enjoyable menu. And you're there on vacation. You're not there to watch your weight. You're there to... Yep. Oh, guaranteed. And, and in fishing, and my wife kind of scoffs at me, like I say about, oh, I'm going fishing. She always wants me to exercise. And we fish the Yellow Creek fly zone here. It's one mile long. Well, you walk one mile in a pair of waders. That's a, that's an exercise. Oh yeah, you know, and Absolutely. then you got to walk one mile back. Yeah, with yep. all your gear. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you're burning calories when you're out there. So, and when you're covering ground out there, you know, like you you fish far. Yeah, you, you do. Yep. And it it works. You you want to make sure you're well fed at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's not hard to you know have good food for a super for very cheap. You know. Sean, I know you recently went to Alaska here, and and you said that you had done that pretty affordably uh what was what are some of the things that you did as far as like the planning and and how did you budget for that because that's something that that's on my bucket list i want to fish that in the worst way me too the way that i planned it was i have a labradoodle and i bred my labradoodle (laughs) 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 and that was our vacation fun but all joking aside no um another tip too is uh out of season if you go places out of season. And when we went there, we went to Alaska in September, um, uh, 12th and 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th, I think we were there. And we got there on the 12th and the 11th, Denali closed. So we couldn't drive it up into the Denali Park. But it's the end of their season up there. But the end of their season, everything is beautiful. You know, it's... It could snow any time, mm-hmm. but all the quakies are gold and your dark timber, you know, it's just the most incredible, beautiful thing you ever saw. So one thing is plan your trip according to the seasons, just like going, just like going to the beach in the summertime. One week before season starts makes a difference in four or five hundred dollars, but it's not making a difference in temperature. Yeah. You know, you can go one week before Labor or Memorial Day save yourself a couple hundred dollars on a house rental at the beach and the temperature's still the same, but it's just not in season. So that's one big thing there. Um, watch your, just be constantly on the Expedia. We use a lot of Expedia and bundle stuff with Expedia. Um, for instance, we went, my wife was looking, we wanted to go on vacation. We had these puppies at like two weeks into eight puppies running around our house. Mm-hmm. My, we're like pulling our hair out. My wife's like, we got to go somewhere. We're going somewhere. When these puppies are don't, gone, we're out of here. And I said, that's fine. I said, just start looking. And 
she actually picked Alaska to go to. And uh, it's some place we both wanted to go to, but she was looking and she's like, we can go to Anchorage for $700 for airfare, hotel and car rental. And I'm like, well, that's two puppies. Sign us up. Just put, just hit go now. <laughs> but um, like I'm going to Africa in the spring. We just sit and watch and you just keep watching and watching mm-hmm. until, it, you know, it fluctuates. It'll go up. It'll go down when it's the right time you hit it. You know, mm-hmm. we got our Alaska fee, a friend of ours at church. He's a, his daughter's a missionary in Africa. And uh, I said to him, I said, you know, what's a good price to pay? for an Africa flight. And, uh, he said, Oh, we usually 14 to 1800. I said, wow. Oh, it's, it's $1,100 right now. Well, you go home and buy it. Now you get on there now, as soon as you get home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and think of that $1,100 round trip one way, you know, no stops other than Johannesburg to, to drop off to go to the other spot. That's crazy to go around the world and back that's a good price it's just all in watching and timing timing is so big days you fly make a difference Mm -hmm. um we flew out on for alaska trip we flew out on a friday come back on a tuesday try to get tuesday in there somehow oh okay tuesday is a great day to fly um if we would have went thursday to monday same amount of days it would have been two or three hundred dollars more just because of that day so try to get your flight on a Tuesday is a big thing. And, uh, you know, and the more you do like with Expedia, the more you bundle into the package saves you money and like car rentals are cheap. When you get into that, you don't, you're not putting the miles on your car. You're not doing that. We drove, we went to Alaska, had three days on the ground and we put almost a thousand miles on the car. Wow. Yeah. We put, I think almost just right around 900 miles. Um, the first day I'll tell you a little bit about our trip. First day we landed in Anchorage, we got our car rental. We decided to head towards Denali, um, from Anchorage to Denali is called the parks highway. And, um, there's a river, Susanita. I can't remember the exact pronunciation, but it's a big river that flows up along the parks highway. And then there's little streams that fill off of the tributaries that fill up the Sassanita or whatever, however you say it anyhow. And, uh, you know, when I was at home, when we were starting to play on this trip, I'm looking on, I get online, I'm looking parks, highway, fishing spots. I wanted to catch a grayling. That was like my goal. That was my bucket list. I wanted to knock off the list. So I'm on there looking grayling streams, best grayling streams. Little Willow Creek was one that kept coming up. So when we went up there, I went up, was looking for little Willow. Well, you drive it, you pass over it, there it is, jump out and fish it. I mean, it's that easy up there in Alaska. You just jump out and fish anywhere you wow. want to fish. And that's the thing that people don't – from back here, you think, well, I'm going, what is it, 4,000 miles from Pennsylvania to Alaska. I'm going to need – I don't know what I'm going to be doing up there. I'm going to need a guide. No, you don't. Fishing's fishing. That's one of the biggest misconceptions is fishing's fishing. You, what I did here, I took up there and I caught fish. Um, another one that I had seen mentioned a couple times was Montana Creek. Uh, we wanted to go see Denali. I mean, we wanted to see the mountain. So was, we went over a uh, little Willow Creek. We looked at it. It looked good. I know I could have caught some fish there, but I, I thought, let's go up. We'll just keep driving. And on the way back, I'll hit little Willow Creek. 
Well, we went to Montana Creek, and there was a little campground there. We pulled into the campground with a little bait shop and stuff. And I said to the lady there, I said, I said, is there any place to fish here? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, we're closing down tomorrow. You can just go back and park at Campsite 61. There's a nice big hole there. And uh, I said, we want to catch grayling. She's oh, there's grayling and dollies and everything in there. And and the salmon are running right now. And we're like, okay, we'll get back. And uh, my wife, she's big. Don't want to see no bear. Well, we wanted to see a bear, but we didn't want to see a bear. Same distance. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on. I was like, We're, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. So finally she got onto it. She was okay with it. And, uh, man, I got into the silver salmon and was just, I was Euro nymphing for silver salmon. I took my techniques from here, went up there, and I know nobody's ever probably Euro nymphed for a silver salmon. And it was just, you know, we were catching them cast. Well, I was catching them cast after cast just using what I know here to catch fish up there. And I went through my routine, just like when I'm here, I approach a hole. I don't know what's going on that day. I'm going to go up to it. I'm going to start with my go-to flies. If my go-to flies aren't happening, you know, I'm watching the stream while I'm fishing my go-to flies. I'm seeing caddis coming off down below me. Okay. So I'll switch my go-to fly to a caddis. If that's not working, Hey, maybe strip a streamer or something. Just try something off the wall. And that's what it took me a half an hour to figure out that they wanted a streamer. Once I figured out that streamer that they wanted a Euro nymph, but they wanted it bouncing across the bottom. But once I figured that out, it was just one after another. Because when you get into a school of salmon, you get into school of salmon. But there I was for $700 fishing for salmon. I've been invited to people we stay with up on Kettle Creek. I've been invited up to them. They go up every year. And I'm like, what's it going to run? Oh, oh, you're looking at least five grand to get dropped. But they're fishing flight flights back into the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a guide standing there with a 44. Yep. And that kind of stuff. Yep. All those things get factored into the cost for sure. Yeah. So, but I finally made it to Alaska. I caught my Pacific salmon, which was one of the top things on my bucket list. I wanted a fish that come out of the ocean. You know, mm-hmm. I've never caught a fish that, that come out of the ocean before. Well, I mean, I've caught saltwater fish, but you know what I'm saying? I've never caught a Pacific the, salmon, the yeah. sea run salmon. And uh, so that was like top thing for me. I have yet, we go up and catch Chinooks Kings all the time. Never caught a coho. Mm-hmm. So I got my silver as a coho. So, and uh, it, it was just awesome being, being there oh absolutely that i'm sure I, that's yeah. definitely on my list and i'm inspired now because you know I like to, to get up that way that that's something that definitely yeah like i was saying I'm, i mean that'd be great to get up that way you have to be willing to my wife and i are very uh spur of the moment kind of people very mm-hmm. last year what my wife and i did we hopped in the car we decided we were we were gonna hit all of the new england states we just took up driving. Whenever we got tired, we looked, okay, hotel near me. Mm-hmm. Found the cheapest one, stopped. You know, we spent, we, it, my old job, before I went part-time, I'd have a five-day weekend. We took off on Thursday and just kept stopping whenever we wanted to and made sure we were back by Monday. Those are the best trips. Too. Yeah, they, they, they are. are. I'll, yeah. I'll kind of run through our, our first trip out yeah. to Montana because it was similar to that. I mean, we put in a lot of planning on where we wanted to fish 
uh, budgeting, things like that. But how long we wanted to fish it, where specifically on this river we wanted to fish, we didn't plan that stuff out because we were going to go where the fishing dictated we go. Right. You have to be willing to change. Exactly. Yeah. Just like back here. Uh, but anyways, we, uh, all three, Dan, Dad, and I set off. Uh, we drove the entire 28 hours the whole way out to the Madison River. Uh, having three people is, I would say, vital for a long road trip like that because two guys up front, your your driver and your co-pilot who's going to keep the driver sane, give him someone to talk <laughs> yeah. to, and then the guy in the back can sleep. Uh, stopping at gas stations uh, w- where we would make like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or hard-boiled eggs or something like that that we would just eat our meals there. And, you know, 28 hours later, we get out to the Madison River. Uh, we got there in the evening, and uh, the very next morning, that was kind of our first first time fishing in Montana. And like you said, Sean, we kind of used all of the methods back here. Uh, th- that was one of the main places that we wanted to hit, too. And we did very well, you know, just using things in Pennsylvania. Uh, flies from Pennsylvania, too. Waltz worms were phenomenal. Pheasant tails uh patch rubber legs just your standard flies out here caddis uh you don't need to i think that we had thought that originally you need to tie specific patterns for these places but you really don't yeah i'll interrupt you really quick on that when we went to colorado the trip i was talking about colorado when we was out there there was a pink cahill hatch coming off big pink cahill hatch well we hadn't we didn't hear, we've never heard of pink Cahill hatch around here, mm-hmm. but we looked at our box and man, that looks a lot like a sulfur. We, th- we threw sulfur wets on and was just hammering the fish on sulfur wets. It looked like it. There's a good chance you're going to have something that oh, looks like it from absolutely. your box back here. Definitely. And the fish don't know that's a sulfur or a pink Cahill. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> all I know is, Hey, that looks like what I'm eating right now. So yep. that's all you, all you really have to do is just fold that fish. But, uh, yeah, we we are kind of our daily routine was to you know get up. We would have breakfast, fish in the morning, uh, in the afternoon. We'd take a little bit of a longer break when it was real warm out, and that was our big meal for the day. Uh, you know, then fish again in the evening, and and we kind of did that every day. We started on the Madison, and from there we went to Rock Creek, and we had planned our rivers, uh, the order in which we fished them, just kind of with we could make a nice big loop. Uh, fished Rock Creek, and that was. Very similar, I would say, in size to Kettle Creek back here at home, uh, Little Juniata, right. something like yeah. that. And I would say, you know, especially out there this year on Rock Creek, the tight line tactics, Dan, how about it? They are oh, yeah. very effective. Yeah, uh, and it seems, uh, at least the, the fishermen that, that we came across out there, like uh, Euro-nymphing is not as popular out there. It has it not made its way across the it, country. It really hasn't. Right. And that's kind of an interesting thing about Pennsylvania is a lot of trends in fly fishing start here. Um, and, you know, if you uh, can comfortably catch fish Euro-nymphing in Pennsylvania, I can assure you that you can go out to Montana and you can do really well. You can. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was, it was cool to apply, you know, the, what we do on a regular basis in Pennsylvania out there. Um, yeah, it was, it, the and fishing was great. Another interesting thing. And I think this really applies to rock Creek too, cause it is very similar, uh, to a Pennsylvania fishery. But, uh, one of the interesting things out there is the crowds are 
somewhat similar to other places around here, like Penn's Creek, where it's not like you're fishing elbow to elbow, but if you do a little bit of walking, you're going to come across, you know, a couple of people. Right. Uh, and I mean, that was just something that I think for us was a little eye opening, but it's not like it's a bad thing that you still get plenty of space. Uh, we loved fishing Rock Creek. Uh, although that first year, this is kind of one of the things too, that whenever you're going to do a trip, you need to have, you need to be flexible because that first year that was a very heavy snowpack in Montana. So Rock Creek was up and we were humbled. We did not catch as many fish as we had on the Madison and that we had probably expected to catch. So we had to be flexible with our plan. We went to the next destination on our trip. Uh, this was kind of, it was just outside of the Bob Marshall wilderness, uh, between Missoula and, uh, Craig, Montana, just fished like a small mountain stream there. Cause we wanted to catch, uh, we wanted to fish like the, the gin clear, you know, for, for cutthroats, just throwing dry, dry flies with, you know, caddis, uh, and you know, some stone flies, things like that. Uh, so we were able to cross that off of our bucket list too. And it was just kind of a, a thing that we hit on the way to our des- next destination, but it was, uh, the flexibility in our schedule that allowed us to have time to fish, you know, one other stream. And, uh, that's the other neat thing. I had mentioned the cutthroats. Uh, the neat, one of the neat things about Montana is you have the opportunity to catch so many different species and really knock off a lot off of your bucket list. You know, browns, rainbows, you know, brook trout. You can go get all that back here. But right. uh, your cutthroat, your west slope cutthroat, uh, I think is the primary one that we were catching. Uh, there's the opportunity for grayling. And then also something that probably a lot of people turn their nose up at, but I'll tell you what, they're a blast to catch. They fight like a brown trout. They bulldog, like bulldog down to the bottom and they are, they are tough to bring in, but it's a mountain whitefish (laughs) (laughs) and they are fun to catch. Yeah. There's always maybe that little twinge of disappointment. We always joke around that about that because our Pennsylvania whitefish or the Pennsylvania bonefish, the fallfish. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just fish. like them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's some streams where oh, we'll catch eighteen, twenty inches yeah, all day long. Yeah, yeah. I could catch them all day. Yeah, yeah. They are fun. I know people turn their nose up at them, but they they are a good time. Yep. And so I guess a lot of the streams that I had mentioned thus far, they were all I think some pretty you know turbulent rivers, some tough to wade. Rock Creek, a little smaller scale than Madison. But then our last destination was the Missouri, which was completely different. It was about as wide as a football field. And coming from Pennsylvania, you go to a place like that. I don't think we were really prepared for something like that. Because you get there and you're like, wow, where do I start? Yeah, that would be tough for me. I mean, I struggle uh, on the little Juniata for the same reason. Uh, I, agree. I have trouble. I have trouble finding the stream in the stream. Yeah, and, and and you said it right there, and that's that's what you have to try to do. I mean, it is difficult, but you need to try and find a uh, certain structure. Like in our last few years of going out, one thing we learned uh, with I think the Missouri in particular was finding transition places. We fished a lot of flats, and if you could find on that that gravel bar and that flat, if you could find where it drops off, you could catch a lot of fish. 
Uh, another thing, especially with with the, the Missouri, the Madison, places like that, where you're seeing a lot of drift boats going by, watch the drift boats. Watch where they're catching fish. Watch where guys are fishing. You're trying to learn the place. You're very new to it. Uh, so just watch everyone else. Yeah, you know, be, definitely. I, I think one of the things in fly fishing that's so important to being a good fly fisherman is to be a good observer. Yes, definitely. And that doesn't, in this case, just include the natural observations, you know, like your hatches and, you know, how much tippet you have on, what size your tippet is. That also includes what are other people doing. Right. And, you know, like I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, we got the opportunity to fish all these rivers because um, if you are doing a guided trip or something like that, you're probably not going to get the opportunity to just go fish all, like you're probably going to be, you know, on one river. Uh, so it was really cool for us guiding our own trip, planning our own trip to just go see all these different places and find the type of stream that we we like in Montana for future years that we can go back out yep. and spend some more time on that river. So it was a great trip and, and trips, you know, like we've done it, what, three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's awesome. It's super attainable with, you know, it's not as expensive as you would think. So, yeah. And, and you guys hit it very well. You have to be adaptable to change. Um, for me, and I'll put that into my Alaska trip. We went up there. We had three days on the ground. And this trip wasn't about me going up there fishing. It was about me and my wife going and getting away from everything and spending time. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to go to Alaska and not fish. I mean, that's just silly to think. So, in all honesty, I was there three days on the ground. And I may have fished five hours. It was the best Mm -hmm. five hours of my life. But I may have (laughs) fished five hours. And, uh, you know... Got to manage that. I I knew that I was with my wife. I had to manage it, so I had to pick the best time. Like so, when we were going up to see Denali, I found this spot on Montana Creek, or, or I pulled like five out, and I I was like, okay, I I can see she's getting bored. Let's go see Denali, and it's mm-hmm. time to go. On the way back home, I was like, hey, we got to stop here again. You know, I'm I'm gonna take advantage of this, and that's when I got the camera out and did some filming, and and you know, I caught a couple more in no time at all, and it was it was a blast. But then the next day, the weather was bad. Well, hey, that's a good time to go sightseeing. Mm-hmm. So the wife and I, we saw things around Anchorage and um, down towards uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, in uh, on the way to the Kenai Peninsula, and just beautiful. Everything's beautiful there. That's the thing. You can go there and not fish and just walk away totally amazed. Mm-hmm. Alaska is just incredible. And I've been to Colorado, and I've been out west, and nothing compares to Alaska. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love Colorado. I've been there a couple times, and I keep telling my wife every time I go there, one of these times I'm not going to come back. <laughs> but Alaska is completely different. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you drive down the highway – take a pair of binoculars with you there's pull-offs all over the road and when you were saying about camping in alaska there's pull-offs all over the road and there's people sleeping in those pull-offs all over the road Mm -hmm. it's just what you do up there yeah that was the weird thing for us you know you never see anybody pulled off alongside the road you're gonna get you never know what's gonna happen there (laughs) yeah and uh you just wouldn't do that but up there that's just common thing yeah and and you know there's pull-offs off the side of the road with restrooms at them for that reason mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because everywhere you go it's a long trip in alaska yeah. oh yeah you know for us to go to see 
Denali was for five hour trip at least, you know, and we didn't even get there. We saw Denali, but we saw it from a long distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, the, the second day, the weather was bad. So we sightseed around Anchorage the third day, the second day we were there, we, we met this artist. Um, I forget her Romney was her name, but she took fish mounts and painted really cool designs on them and stuff. Just beautiful. And we was hanging out in her studio there for a while in the rain, talking to her. And she said, Oh, you got to go to Seward. You got to see it. It's just cool. So we went down to Seward and, you know, did the tourist thing, saw it. And while I'm sitting there eating in the restaurant, I hadn't got my grayling yet. So that was all that's going through. I don't know what was going through my wife's mind. My mind was, I haven't got my grayling yet. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was grayling. No. No, she wasn't worried about that. No. So I'm sitting there on my phone grayling near Seward, you know, and this was totally spur of the moment off the cuff. Well, right above grayling you know when i type that in on the way down the seward highway i pass grayling lake and that's the first thing that pops up and it's like 15 miles north of gray north of seward there's grayling lake and it's a it's this lake on top of around here you know you got ridges the mountain goes up and then it's flat for a while and then it goes up again well that's the case on this flat spot there's this big lake Mm -hmm. and the only way to get to it for them to stock it is by airplane. So they'll drag a big helicopter or whatever, drop a big bucket full of fish in the lake, and all they drop in there is grayling. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, well, wow. I can't lose on Grayling Lake and nothing's in it but Grayling, you know. <laughs> I got to check this off the bucket list. So it says it's moderate hike. I learned that moderate hike is close to, but not quite 45 degrees. <laughs> oh, wow. In Alaska, that's moderate. <laughs> You know, it's not straight up and down like every mountain you see along the side of the road. But uh, we hiked up to the top, and I'm doing this pre-back surgery. And uh, we got up there, and we didn't have bear spray. We didn't have a gun. My wife didn't like that idea, hiking up that far. But we got up there, and uh, a funny story, I'll tell it. Right when we get to see the lake, when finally the lake comes into the view, and it's all beautiful because it's all pine trees, big mountain in the background, the quakies are turning, just this beautiful scene straight out of a picture, you know. And uh, I look down, and there's this big bear track in the mud right below me. (laughs) And my wife's behind me. And my thought was, I can't let her see that or I won't be fishing here. (laughs) So I just keep my head up and I point out. I said, boy, isn't that a beautiful view? Just look out there, honey, and just keep on walking. And she said, yeah, whatever, whatever. We just better not get eaten by a bear. (laughs) She didn't see the track. (laughs) So I distract her long enough. We went out. We fished. And uh, here again, you have to be able to adapt to situations. I was fishing a lake. We don't have still water here. We have still water in Pennsylvania, but unless you're a competition guy, you don't still water fish for trout. Exactly. No. But the grayling were feeding top water. So I'm throwing elk care caddis and I caught two grayling and knocked it off my list. They were small. I knew my wife didn't want to be there. I spent like 20 minutes, a half an hour fishing, but I caught my fish. I was mm-hmm. happy. That's you know, you that's all I needed. I, that was something that I have wanted for years and years was to put a grayling in my hand. I finally did it. I didn't 
distract her on the way back out and i kind of mm-hmm. stopped and waited to see if she'd see that bear track <laughs> <laughs> did she ever see it she saw it <laughs> yeah, man, i'm sure it was Damn. she in didn't no like she didn't like before. seeing it and she's like did you see this on the way in i was like yeah that was when i told you how beautiful the lake was <laughs> <laughs> and she's like she kind of chewed me out for it and i said well i gotta i gotta admit i said if that is a black bear track that is the biggest black bear on the mountain <laughs> so let's keep walking <laughs> You know, that's that's the thing, too. So you went on this trip with your wife two years ago whenever we went out to Montana. We went out to Glacier National Park with our family. Yeah. And we got, I mean, we have three videos on our YouTube channel where the first day we, we fished a morning for maybe three hours uh, where, you know, my mom and my sisters, they, you know, walked around the area, went went for, my sisters went for a run. Uh, just a little bit of time. So we were able to fish. We went to Missoula to visit my cousin Nick as part of this trip. We went out for another morning for like two, three hours, you know, just a little bit of time. And then within Glacier, uh, we did not fish that much. I mean, you look at our our YouTube video, you would think we fished a lot more than we did, but right. we didn't. It was a family vacation. And do I regret not being able to fish? Absolutely not. Uh, it was great to, you know, catch a couple of fish and just being out there is unbelievable. Yeah. That's the thing. You have to, you have to be able to disconnect fishing from being there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to understand the importance of just being there. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, you can go anywhere you want to, and it's all what you make of it. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Always worth taking a rod with you, though. Yeah. Really oh, is, yeah. You know. Like I said, I I went on a cruise. We went down to the Bahamas. We took the kids with us. I was the only guy on the cruise with a fishing rod and uh we went to this one island it's the private island of the cruise ship and there was some fish swimming around the beach there but i was like well i ain't gonna catch them i ain't gonna do nothing there there's people all over there swimming i was like i gotta find some other water so i just take off hiking and get back into this area and i got back here and i'm looking around and i'm looking at the bottom of the ocean or the water there and i'm thinking yeah i probably shouldn't be here (laughs) I was like, what? nobody around. <laughs> and there was two bonefish out there, so I started casting the bonefish. And I had them chase it and never hooked up. But that's still a memory I have in my head. And then I was told, yeah, you shouldn't be here. So I went back with everybody else on the beach. <laughs> but, you know, it, there I was. I, I I got to fish in the Bahamas, even if it was only a couple casts. And, mm-hmm. and I went to Alaska. I only fished five hours and 72 hours I was on the ground. But it was the greatest five min- five hours fishing yeah. that i've had in a long time yeah absolutely it's like you said it's all on what you make of it yeah there's just so many things you know buddy up one of the big things you know get a couple of your buddies that have like interest mm-hmm. that's a big thing share costs is one thing shared costs cuts your trip down a ton we do that we do pat and i here now i won't be able to go this year because of my back surgery but um my dad pat and Whoever else goes with us, we always have somebody else go with us. Uh, Pastor Myers goes with us. Uh, my buddy Squeege used to go with us. But we would go to New York fishing for salmon for five days. We'd fish Monday to Friday, and we had it down to, it was about 250 bucks a person. That's license, gas, food, everything. Can't beat it. Lodging. We stayed in a nice house. We yeah. had good food every night. Warm showers. Yeah, we'll come home to a warm shower. Mm-hmm. You can't beat it. It's all in doing your research. That's that's uh, I'm gonna just say something really funny here. 
Uh, so you mentioned warm showers. Uh, I shot Doug a look whenever whenever they said that. I saw that, that look. <laughs> uh, so I went this summer uh, out in Montana, the longest I've ever gone without a shower, and that was eight days. <laughs> and believe it or not, I didn't smell that it's bad. It's so dry. Because it's so dry. Yeah, and you don't smell yourself either. Exactly. So that may have factored into it a little bit too. Because I've funny been note. to Colorado and elk hunting in October – and you know how you go to Walmart and you get those bags, the portable shower bags, the black plastic bags mm-hmm. that you're supposed to lay on the ground and they heat up with the sun and you hang them and you have a nice warm shower? Mm-hmm. At nine below at night, they don't heat up. <laughs> that's a cold morning <laughs> when, shower. When you wake up in the morning, that's rock hard. Oh, you can't hang it in a tree. <laughs> so for for seven days or whatever, we was up in the woods, we didn't shower. <laughs> And uh, one time I tried a basin bath up there. And whenever the washcloth hit my chest, I was like, yeah, this ain't happening. I put the washcloth, <laughs> put my shirt back on. I was like, that's done. But, oh, boy. So that's one amenity you don't have to have if you're living up in the woods by yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But Near a camp. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, it, it wasn't too, like, we do sacrifice. To, you can shower. You can kind of wash off in the creek and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, if you're roughing it. That's you know, the great thing about is, fishing, too. Most of the time, you're fishing at a good time of the year where you, yeah. know, you don't have to worry about that. Absolutely. Elk hunt, that's a different Yeah, different that's a game. little different. But, yeah, this has been a great time. Is there any more tips you can think of before we go? The big things I was thinking, you know, just get somebody to split costs and do your research. For instance, um, a buddy of mine wanted me to speak out in Wisconsin. I did a I did a talk out in Wisconsin. He said, when do you want to come? I said, September, you know, <laughs> Wisconsin, I'm going to take the long way around. I'm going through Michigan and I'm hitting the great lakes and uh guy at work. He's like, Oh man, you're lucky. He's like, my dream is I want to hit the Pierre Marquette and I've heard of it before. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'll hit the Pierre Marquette. I can't blame you. So I get on, you know, start looking up. Well, Michigan, there's nothing alert that I will say Michigan. And I've said it before. They are the tightest lipped on their fishing. You cannot find anything out about Michigan. But anywhere else, you can find anything. Anything about out west or Pennsylvania. Heck, in Pennsylvania, you can find what it's going to do three days from now on Penn's Creek <laughs> if you want to. But Michigan is very tight lipped. But I hit the fly shops up there, get to talking to them, you know, five bucks or whatever on something, buy my license there. Mm hmm. They told me all the parking spots, where to go, you know, hey, if you go here and you see five cars, just keep on driving because there ain't no room to fish. Mm -hmm. I went there, there was 10. So I was like, yeah, I better keep on driving, (laughs) you know, and I ended up catching the biggest salmon in my life. I caught a 30-pound king, and uh, it was just amazing. I've I've never fished for king salmon and had a river all to myself. That was insane. That would have been nice. Yeah, insane. And then... I wanted to, one of my bucket list fish was a pink salmon. So I'm looking Michigan pink salmon. I knew that was the other reason why I scheduled a trip that time of year because I knew the pink salmon were running up in Canada at that time of year because uh, I had a buddy on the St. Marie. And uh, so I start looking, and all I found was this one stream called Clay, Clay Creek or Clay River, and it's right above the Mackinac Bridge. So that was all the research I could find, but I found that they run – and they run there that time of year. So I stopped there. I ended up getting my pink salmon, a couple of them, and I had a great experience. So it's all in the research. You put your time in before the trip, you're going to 
you'll be rewarded absolutely yeah i think to summarize what you were saying put in the research try to split costs with guys and be flexible yeah be flexible that is the biggest Mm -hmm. like like i said when we went to colorado the young compagra was blown out so be flexible and be smart enough to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Uncompagra was blown out, we automatically thought, well, where's where are we going to find fish? The only thing that's not going to be blown out is tailwaters. So we started looking at tailwaters in our area, and we found the. Yep. You know, there is times that I would need a guide, and I'm not going to lie. We went to the Black Can the Black Canyon flows through that area. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've ever been to the Black Canyon, it is the most beautiful place you've ever been. And if you take a black and white picture of it, it looks like an Ansel Adams picture. I mean, it's just beautiful. But you look down in the water, it's gin clear, crystal clear, 15 foot deep. And at the bottom of that 15 foot deep is a 25 inch rainbow. And that's all over the place. But how do I get my fly 15 exactly. feet down to that thing? You know, that's where you need a guide. Yeah. You know, there's things I don't know how to do that. That's things. That, if I'm going to hire a guide, I'm going to hire a guide to teach me something. Exactly. Absolutely. But if I want to go fishing, I can go fishing anywhere. And that's what so you have true. to realize. And yep. another tip too, and this is just one that I thought of, and we've never done this, but one that I've heard that people will do is if they're going to go somewhere, and they want to try and save as much money as possible, but they still feel like they might need a guide, get your guide on the first day. Get a guide on, yep. He, he'll, he'll show you, they'll show you uh, techniques to use, locations to fish, you know, take note, mental notes of these, right. and then apply them throughout the rest of your trip, and you'll do great. As a guide, I strongly suggest that. But, <laughs> you know, you're going to learn what the locals do, how they mm-hmm. catch fish. You're going to see see things from a different angle and it might be something you take home with you too. So it's, it's a valuable thing to take a, to, to get a guide, but also you need to realize you don't need one. Mm-hmm, so. Definitely. Well, I think that about wraps it up for time. We really milked that one out. A lot of good info in this. There was. Yeah. Thank you guys again for coming down. We'll have you down again some other time. I'm yeah, sure. Because some fishing. Yeah. We're definitely going to get together and do some fishing and all these years, I never meet up with you on Kettle Kirk. So I know. We're we got to change we're all, that. We're up at Dells all the time. Too. I know. We're fishing I know. Behind yeah. This place a lot. That's the thing. When I'm up there, you stop in and I'm out fishing yep. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. Hey, well, this spring, man. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll make sure of it. Yep. So, anyways, thanks a lot for watching again. And I'm going to give you another chance to shout out where you guys are from. Give us all your um, social media with your YouTube channel and all that stuff. Yeah, so uh, we run a YouTube channel. It's called Backyard Angling. Uh, so you can find us on YouTube. And then we do, uh, we're on Facebook as well as Backyard Angling. And then we're also on Instagram as Backyard underscore Angling underscore. All right. Thanks a lot. And you can find us. Pat, you want to tell them where you can find us? Uh, we're all over. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, bugsandbeardspodcast.com. And Facebook. And Facebook. And we're also on bugsandbeardpodcast.com on the internet. Yes. And you can download our podcast at your favorite listening apps like Stitcher, iTunes, and all those good places. Apple. Apple, I can. Yep, yeah. Apple's another good one. So, anyway, guys, thanks for listening to us. We're glad you tune in to us every week. And uh, please come back for our next show. See you next time.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by WholesinglersFlyShop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Wholesingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you will subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.